0: you pray with me before we begin this morning lord we just thank you for barry and trish we thank you uh, for all they have deposited and given to us personally individually and as this church and we just bless them this morning and we thank you for them and we thank you in advance god for what you're doing here in this body we know that you are the head of this church and we just gladly and joyfully say yes we will follow you holy spirit thank you in advance. We ask for your wisdom, your discernment as we take next steps and next hires. And we thank you that you have never left us and that you are actually going to build something incredibly special right here. And we thank you. You're in the process of doing it. And we just say yes and amen to your plans. Even now, right now, thank you that you're with us here, Holy Spirit. And we just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, would be pleasing in your sight. And that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning. Transform us in your presence. Make us more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, family. It is true that you and I were not meant to do life alone. You and I were meant to do life together. I'm going to say it again. You and I, no matter who you are in this room, were designed by the God who is in fellowship at all times with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were designed by that loving Father to not do life alone by ourselves. We were designed to do life together. And don't just take my word for it. Let's go back to the very beginning of creation when God made the heavens and the earth and he said, it is... And he made the day and the night and the stars and he said, it is... And he went through all seven days and he said, it is really good when he made Adam. And then he said, wait, it's not good. What? Let's take a look at it. For man to be alone. So you see from the very beginning... God knew that we would need each other. In fact, He designed it so that we would. And learn the joy of doing life together, of being interdependent on each other, of not only being in constant fellowship with Him, but in fellowship with one another. Because if His commandment to us, as Jesus reiterated, is to love one another, by very nature of the statement, there has to be a one another. There has to be another. Are you with me in order for us to live the life that Jesus calls us to to lay down our lives for one another? I got to have another And we will not know the fullness of life On this planet until we are in relationship with each other doing life together Now I know that most of you uh, Believe that out there and some of some of you that's like not new news But for some of us we just kind of maybe need a reminder this morning We were set up beautifully last week when Marvin gave his message on all three. Prayer and mission and community. And that's what we're talking about this morning. This cultivating of community. And that looks like a lot of different things. It can look like you having a couple of friends over for pizza and you're cultivating community that way. It looks like being involved in anything in this church and you're working together. Today when you go serve or pray on the canal, you can cultivate community, right? But for today's purposes, I'm really going to focus on one of the models that Jesus set up and then that the early church set up as a model for church life called the small group. So I'm really going to focus this morning on what it means and, and the importance of us doing life together in smaller groups of community. If you think about it, that early church, the church met in the different homes, didn't it? And that's where we're going to go this morning in Acts chapter 2. So let's just look at it right away this morning. And we're we're going to see where that day that on Pentecost, remember, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And all of a sudden, the Jesus who had been with them was now in them. And they began to speak the wonders of God in all these different languages. And people came running to say, what's going on? And then Peter delivers this beautiful message. That this is Jesus. This is that one that God has made both Lord and Messiah, who has now poured out his very spirit. And what you see in here is his life within us now being expressed and telling the wonders of God in all these different languages. Remember? Think about if you were one of those people listening going, wait a minute, this is the, you're talking about the Jesus that we all just shouted in the streets. Crucify him. Crucify, that. We were a part of that. Is it, and can't you just think what they're thinking? Like, I think they would have thought, is it, is it too late for us? We, we can obviously see this is real. This is God. Have we blown it? And Peter stands up in front of them and says, no, no, no. Men of Jerusalem, you may all have a peace and a part if you would repent, turn from your way of living and the way of your thinking, and we believe and receive this one Jesus. And you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God in you. Making you new, giving you life that will never end. And so, you know what happened then? 3,000 of them signed up that day. And here's what it says. That day, about 3,000 took him, that's Peter, at his word. They were baptized and were signed up. I love the way the message says it. Don't you hear it? It's like, I'm all in. I blew it once. I'm not going to blow it again. I am all in for Jesus. Going on. This is now how they did life, okay? They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Going on. every day they continued to meet what together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved you see if you and I were to really get this thing And really do life together in such a way that we love each other this way. We're in the Word. We're worshiping God. We're serving each other practically. And and people around you will go, what is up with you? People around you will be in awe and wonder. And they'll go, I would love to belong to something like that. People around us will run to be a part of that when we truly express the loving, giving nature of God in small group community. Because every one of us was designed to want it. Because we were designed to do life together. The power, you guys, we have of, of being Jesus to the world in the way that we love each other. Jesus said, this is how people are going to know. That I'm in you and you're in me. That you belong to me if we love one another as I have loved you. So there are five things listed in this that I believe really helped them to do life together together to learn to be discipled, how to follow Jesus during this time. And I think that they're applicable for us today. I mean, think about it. Now Peter has 3,000 new believers. Like, that would be a big day if you're a church leader. What do I do with all these people, you know? So obviously it's like, okay, let's everybody go to the temple. We can do this together. We can worship. Now what do we do? How do we tell them all the things that Jesus just taught us the last three and a half years when we lived with him? So what'd they do? They divided them up into small groups. Okay, uh, mary and martha you guys take this group and, and uh, john you take some and and they put them in different homes Why because that's what jesus had modeled for them. This is how we make disciples. This is how we teach the life of god We live it out together Here are the five things that they that they did and before we even list them look at the first two words there They committed themselves to these things another word in the niv. They uses the word devoted So let me ask you a question if you're devoted to something, what does that look like in your life? If you're really committed to something, how is that different from, like, something else that maybe you just kind of do? Are you, are you thinking? Yeah. For me, it's like if I'm committed to something, I'm devoted to it, I'm all in. And other things, I might even have to say no to some other things, or at the very least, they will take, you know, second second fiddle to what I'm devoted to, right? These people are saying, this Jesus, he is alive. He is the one whom they said he was. He is everything. He has now given us life eternal, forgiven our sins and dwells within us. I'm telling you what, anything he asks. And what did he ask? He said, now you go and you do as I have done. And they're like, we're in, all in. We're devoted to these five things. Here we go. The teaching of the apostles for you and me today, that's simply we're in the word. Number two, the life together. There's our phrase. They just did all of life together based on the way Jesus had taught them. Come on, guys. We're going to go do life together, and that's how I'm going to disciple you. We're going to learn how to walk it out, not just hear about it and learn about it in the Word, which is important. But now, what's that look like in your life, Peter, when you get really angry with your friend John? What's that really look like when you've got to go back to work on Monday morning? We're going to learn how to walk this thing out. And I want you to be thinking what this looks like in our life today. In small group. We learn how to do life together. We have fun together. Number three, the common meal or the breaking of bread. They did this together. You know, in, in our, our day and time, it's just like, let's, let's just have like a barbecue. Let's, let's grill out tonight. Let's have some friends over. Let's do, let's eat our meals together. Which is just like really enjoying fellowship and getting to know each other, isn't it? Jesus modeled that too, didn't he? And I think that every time they got together and they saw that phrase in the NIV, it says the breaking of bread. I think that every time they did that, how could they not, those disciples, think about one night? How could they not for the rest of their lives, every time they broke bread, (laughs) just stop and shake their heads? Oh, yeah, we remember you told us every time we did this to remember what you have done for us. Oh, yeah. Every time I, we break the bread, Jesus, I'll never forget it. You, you let your body be broken for us so that we could be whole. You, you, you poured out your life, your, your blood shed for us as we drink this wine. We remember. Because of what you did, my sins are forgiven and I am set free. I, I, just, I just think that that's probably part of it. I know there's the sacrament that we do in church and all that, but I just think maybe Jesus knew we'd need to remember. And, and, and what if part of our small group coming together and eating our meals together and sharing fellowship is just to stop and go, oh, we remember you're right here with us. We remember what you've done. And aren't we creatures of forgetfulness? At least I am. And Jesus knew. I mean, look at the Old Testament. God set up reminder after reminder after reminder because then the Israelites forgot, right? That's me. Then Lori forgot. The next day, Lori forgot. I mean, I'm the same way. Right? And so he, we, I need things in my life that remind me. What if we began to really, every time we break bread, meaning back then you have a meal, we remember. And we help each other do it in community together. Number four, they devoted themselves committed to prayer, praying for each other. And for, I'm sure, their church leaders, and I'm sure for the nation. And as the persecution of the church began, I'm sure their prayers changed. And I prayed. I think they prayed, Lord, your, your name be honored today. Your kingdom, may it come here, and your will be done right here in this situation as it is in heaven. They, they prayed together. And it occurred to me this week, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, Lori, don't you think it's amazing that Father trusts his people enough that he waits to do certain things on the earth until they ask him. I mean, sometimes you and I go like, yeah, we should really pray about that. And then we, I mean, you know, like, but do we really realize what we're doing? That he has entrusted with us the power and the authority to call forth that which his heart wants to do and to make it actually happen on earth. And isn't it amazing that he values us and and wants to co-labor with us so much that he really sometimes holds his hand he waits to do that which he wants to do on the earth until his people decree it to be so when he said that to me this week i was like i'm sorry i forgot how powerful prayer was i forgot (laughs) i forgot that it really matters i i really did i mean that's wow the Bible says that the heavens are the earth, but the earth, excuse me, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to man, because he told us in the garden, "Now I want you to rule and reign and subdue." In other words, we have authority on this earth to pray in the things that are on the Father's heart, and He so wants us to know the value that we have in him and in the kingdom that He wants us to decree them before He' left. How many things in this world are happening because the people of God are praying them in? And how many things could be happening if we were to press in and ask him for it and say, your kingdom come, your will be done in this marriage as it is in heaven, in this body as it is in heaven, in my workplace as it is in heaven. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective in Jesus. Wow. Thanks for the reminder. I needed it. And the last thing they had devoted themselves to when they came together and met in these homes was just practical help and service. We read it, didn't we? They pooled their resources, and as anybody had need, well, then they met the need. This is life together. This is your car breaks down. Okay, well, would you want to borrow mine for a couple of weeks while you get it fixed. Oh, and by the way, I've got a friend who works on brakes. Let's go over and get your car fixed while that's happening. Oh, You're moving this weekend? Nancy and Logan will be over and, and we'll load some boxes. Sign up today. Josh, you're building a a deck on the back of your house. Okay, our group's coming together. We're going to be there Saturday morning, hammers in hand. Let's do it. We help each other practically. Your kids are sick, Heather. We're going to come and help you out while you're needing some extra love and support. Practically helping and serving one another. Now, listen, I can't do that. You can't do that for all two, three hundred people in this church, can we? We can't know the needs. We can't practically serve everybody But if I have a small group of 8, 10, 12 people in my life that I am committed to, then I can really focus and serve and give my life away for that group. There's a bunch of people on the back row, and they have really been a great example to me of committing themselves. They do their meals together almost every day and help one another, and they live in the same area so that they can practically help each other. It's a beautiful example. Of taking this seriously god's commandment to do life together and it's quite the invitation all right now you can tell i i I believe in this but it's not only because i read it in scripture but because it has changed my life so let me tell you a little bit of my story the day after i graduated from high school (laughs) That was a few years ago. The day after I graduated from high school, my parents and I loaded up our van and we took all my stuff and we drove to Sandusky, Ohio, where I was about to begin my dream job. I was like so excited because my best friend Lori and I had been in every musical choir thing available all through our growing up years. Swing choir, and show choir, and mix choir. And Steve and I were actually in youth choir at our church. And my mom was a singer on radio and television. My grandparents were worship leaders and choir directors and organists. And music was a big part of my life. So my best friend and I said, wouldn't it be cool if this summer we could be in those live shows and uh, like King's Island and, and Six Flags and Cedar Point. So we went around and we auditioned, you know, thinking, isn't this hilarious? We're trying out for this. I get a phone call. Hi, would you like to come and play piano and sing and dance in our country show at Cedar Point? I'm like, oh, so I, like, landed my dream job. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm 18 years old, so wet behind the ears. They drive me up to Sandusky, Ohio. We put all my stuff in our little room, which my, I didn't have a roommate. She wasn't to come until three more weeks. And then we hug each other. We kiss each other. And I realized, you know, I've really never been away from you ever, <laughs> ever before. Like, you need to know about my family. We're very close. I didn't do summer camp. I didn't even do church camp. I, I, I just camped at home. I, I never left. So this all of a sudden dawned on me as the van pulled away. And my mom is hanging out the window crying, and I'm crying. And I'm, what am I? what have I done? And there they go. And I was just like, just alone for the first time in my 18 years of living, completely, utterly by myself. See, it still affects me because it it was a moment. And I realized, oh, I don't know anybody here. I don't know anybody I've coming to work with. I'm just supposed to report to work the next morning. I, I don't know a single soul. I've never even been to Cedar Point. I've been to King's Island because we live closer. So I start walking around. Roller coasters everywhere. You get used to living with that. I'm like, this is my new home. (laughs) Seriously, it was right outside my window. And I'm surrounded by 40,000 people that came to visit every day. But i would never felt so alone. Because I'd always been surrounded by family and tons of friends and activities. And here I was. I was like, oh what do I do? And I remember, the only thing I knew my parents had taught me to do and that is to press into Jesus and find Him. And so I opened up the Word. I went back to my room literally that night. I'll never forget the night. Ooh, it still washes over me. I opened up the Word of God and I said, Jesus, I really need you right now. And I read the promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. Lord, be strong and courageous. Be of good cheer because I am with you. I'm like, okay, I really I really need you right now. And then I put on every Amy Grant song that I owned and all my Michael W. Smith, (laughs) probably in cassette form, I can't even remember. And I worshipped, you know, and I was just like, oh, ha, and I just pressed in. Slowly but surely, he just began to bring me his peace. And I really began to find out that truly, when Jesus is all you have, I learned for myself that Jesus was all I needed. And sometimes you can't find that out until you're in that situation, can you? Like, he became so real to me. And that's where we forged our very deep friendship because every day I would press into him and go, I really need you right now. I thank you that you're here. And I began to hear his voice more and I became in love, in love with his word that where he'd speak to me and I'm just like, Oh, you're so good and I got to really just practice his presence like I want to stay talking to you Because i'm going into a new job here and i'm a little 18 year old and everybody's older than me and and I just kept Talking to him and he became the dearest friend that i've ever had and still is to this day And then he's so good That i'm looking back on it now and I realize probably because my mother was still praying that he was saying lori It's This is what life is you and me we're going to be in we're going to be one Always in union. But at the same time, while you're here on this earth, it is not good that you be alone. And you know what he did for me? He put me in a new family. And I, I, I had a cast of these great, crazy people live shows people and all of them were older than me and uh, there were two or three believers in the cast and even the ones that weren't we just became so close just like family and the older two were a married couple marv and sherry and i know they were looking at me like oh this sweet little 18 year old christian girl from indiana <laughs> she's about to have her eyes open and so they would like walk me through life and i would go hey this is awesome they go okay Lori, let's go this way and they would just kind of shepherd me and i know that god put them in my life during that season. The second thing that God did for me out of his kind father heart within four days of being there, I was sitting at the keyboard. We had rehearsals from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. that first week to learn the entire show. And my supervisor sat down next to me at the keyboard. We were going over some chord charts, looking at this and that. And then he looks over and he goes, I heard that you're a believer. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, hey, a bunch of us get together on Thursday nights. Would you want to go? We could we could come and pick you up. And I'm like, uh-huh, yes, please. And so they did. They came and they picked me up and they took me to this little house in Sandusky, Ohio, where the Methodist minister, the little pastor from, from the little church there in town, opened up his living room because his son happened to be a trumpet player in one of the shows. And so they invited all the kids from live shows and we all came and sat down in this living room and I was sitting there and, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And again, I was still the youngest one there. And uh, big, my big friend, Charles, he got up, and I thought, what is he going to do? And he walks over to the piano, and he begins to play. And everybody just stands up, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And we're, like, starting to worship. And I will never, ever forget. till the day I die, we just begin to sing. How can I give thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved yet you did to prove your love for me and the, and the tears just started rolling down my cheeks and, I, and, I, and the voices, it really felt like a thousand angels began to sing and then we just began to worship and I looked over and I'm like, oh, you know him too him like I do. He must have been there for you too. And I'm like, oh, and you you know him. And I thought, I have a family. I'm I'm not alone anymore. And I haven't been since. (laughs) Because God continues to put me in family. And Steve and I in family wherever we go. Because where two or three gather, Jesus was there with us. And we were one in him. Even though I didn't even know their name. But you know what happened is those people that I met in that living room for the next four out of five summers, I was there every Thursday night, are my dearest and best friends today. Why? Because all we had was Jesus and each other. And then Pastor Bob sat us all down, and, and then he opened up the Bible, and we just read the Word together, and and it just came alive. And he had the kindest, most tender peace-filled countenance I'd ever encountered, and I needed it back then, and, and, uh, and, and when we'd discuss what we read in the scriptures, the apostles' teachings, and, and then we'd worship some more together, and then we'd just, we'd just discuss it. We'd pray for each other, and, and then we'd support each other, and we began to do life together. Hey, I'm coming to your show tomorrow, and I'm praying for you on that thing we talked about, and if you need to talk, hey, I'm here, you know, and we just began to do it, and I was hooked We're in family. It was so good you guys and you know what else is cool. I was there the next uh, Again four out of five summers my last summer. I purposely went back uh, Because I got to be now in the supervisor role And I began to do what had been done to me So I went around to all the people that I could because i'm now working with everybody I'm in charge of all the vocals in the park So I knew every vocalist which was quite a few and i'd say hey I noticed that you're wearing a cross. Are you a believer? And they say, yeah. I said, hey, a bunch of us gather on Thursday nights over here at this house. Uh, Would you like to go? Can I pick you up? And I asked everybody that I knew. Pretty soon they saw me coming. And one of of my friends who was was an electric guitar player in one of the Red Garter shows, he says, I know what you're going to ask me. And I said, what? He goes, I know you're one of those God freaks. And I'm like, okay, well, just tell me what you believe. So he tells me, he says, I don't buy any of that stuff. I'm like, all right, tell me why. So we just began to have conversation, and I just left him alone. And then the next day, I came to his show again, because that was part of my job was to keep supervising the shows, and I said, so tell me more. And So he would tell me more, and then I just left him alone. And then I would come back a couple weeks later, and we would talk again. And I said, you know, I, this is amazing. I said, I really do enjoy talking to you about this. This is fantastic. I said, a bunch of us gathered together on Thursday nights <laughs> in case you want to, like, do this with a bigger group of people, because, like, I'll come and pick you up. And do you know he came? Do you know what I saw that summer? We packed out Pastor Bob's house. Like all the seats, all the floor space in the kitchen. And they were sitting up the stairs. It was the, it was, literally was one of the joyous moments of my life when I saw my friend Michonne and my, my friend Brett and we were just worshiping God together and some of the people were like, what is happening in this room? And we felt the power of Jesus and the unity of the Spirit and people knew that they belonged because they were loved for who they are, whether they believed or they didn't believe. And then I saw people's lives get changed and they would say, I'm, I want to know this one that you, makes you all crazy. I want to know this love. I want to know what this is about. And I saw people give their lives to Jesus. My friend Melissa, she had just finished her sophomore a year, maybe her freshman year at Ohio State, she was a vocal major. She was really really talented and she came to Cedar Point that year and she started coming to our group and we became the dearest of friends and she was in my show and and we were like, you know, just having fun and all of a sudden she's like, I want this. I want this. And she was boom, all in for Jesus. She gave her entire life to him to the point that it changed the trajectory of her life. She says, "I don't want to go back to Ohio State. I re- that's not really my passion." anymore. So the very, that very fall, like she changed her plans in August, and she went to Christ for the Nations, and she became a part of their choir there, and then they went on tour. And then she went to Germany, and she's evangelizing people in Germany through the choir, all because she went to a little small group in Sandusky, Ohio. I'm telling you what, people, this is where lives are transformed. This is where, this is where the, the meat and the stuff of life is fleshed out. Where we really love one another as he has loved us and we want everyone we know to know about it I saw people's lives changed and transformed And I was hooked and it occurred to me now that i'm older pastor bob opened up his house Do you know we didn't even start that study each night? <laughs> Steve worked there one summer with me did it was like 9:45, 45 10 o'clock at night because we were all working I mean it's an amusement park. We're all working till nine o'clock, right? And now that I'm older, I think, what kind of sacrifice did this man make to start at 10? We were there, I'm sure, until midnight. I mean, the rest of us were like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, you know. And i am he must have at some point known the power of opening up his home to a bunch of crazy 20-somethings and know what a difference it would make in their life. And he was all in. And he said, whatever it takes, I will open up my home and I will be here and we're going to do this thing together. And he did it with at least me for five summers. And I know he did it longer than that. And he's still one of my favorite disciples and mentors in my life. Praise God for Pastor Bob. How many kids now have gone through that living room and are now out serving Jesus? I could tell you, I could stand up here for two hours and tell you all the places they're serving God in all parts of the country. What would happen if... You opened up your home and you just invited some people in and then they had a friend at work and they invited that person in and then you met somebody at the grocery store and you invited that person in and what would happen then if like then those people went out and they started leading some groups and one of them moved to Minnesota and they started having a group there and what can you see how the kingdom is supposed to multiply we just keep inviting people in. See, it's not just, oh, it's a holy huddle, we don't look outside. No, 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 no. In fact, we would like to change the, the mindset if, you, if that has been it. I believe in having your core group. Hear me clearly. People that you trust, you walk with it, know the no, the no. They know all. But I know that there's a place for us to be parts of groups where we are always looking out. We are always serving, right? Okay, so we're hooked. Steve and I, we um, started having... Um, Bible studies as soon as we got married in our home for the first five or six years of our marriage We had a bible study in our house every monday night And we would start by playing volleyball together out in the front yard And all the neighbors were like what are they doing, you know Then we go inside and then we we would read the word and we would worship together And we'd discuss it and we pray for each other and then we began to do life together We joined a co-ed softball league and we got to know people out there in the softball league And we had fun on tuesday nights as well as monday nights and we would celebrate birthdays and and we would celebrate uh, holidays and we would celebrate life together and the first ones that started getting engaged and married we celebrated that and and then we celebrated the first pregnancy when that came along and then we had to grieve the first miscarriage when that one came along and when we had to walk through some hard times when that first marriage fell apart and and then then we had to be there for each other and but all the time you know neighbors are coming and they're like what 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 do you guys they they start setting up chairs watching us play volleyball we're like what do you do when you go inside i'm like you all should come on in, you know we'll we'll do it you know and so then it, that's what happened we we became we did life together and it helped us in our first five or six years of marriage and then steve and i came to this church and i think it was either week one or week two that a guy comes in shakes our hand big time hi my name's dan keel and and uh, we owe to a little small group over here at brian wignall's house would you guys like to come and join us and steve and i are like sure so we went to brian's house and that was over 22 years ago and Steve and I have been coming to different small groups in this body ever since. Because we believe in it. And we know the power of it. And it's changed our lives. And we've done marriage groups for a whole season. And we would do a small group for a season. And then Christine and I did Beth Moore for years and years and years and years. And we'd break up in women into small groups. So that we could share life with each other and pray for each other. And... I did Gail Komosinski's Bible study for probably seven or eight years, at which point I met Jocelyn Furness and Tracy Vitalis and Jenny Strohmeyer. That was like 15, 16, 17 years ago. And we began to raise our families together, doing life together. Now, you would think, <laughs> with all that good news, that everybody would want to be in a small group, Right. <laughs> It occurred to me as I was reading in Hebrews this week that even in that early church when they had the favor of all the people, something happened. Because everything was going really well. And I think probably it had to do a little bit with the persecution that began against the church because then all of a sudden if you were a believer, you might be arrested. And if you started ga- kept gathering with those groups, you could even be separated from your family, maybe even killed, right? So all of a sudden I begin reading in Hebrews chapter 10 and this is what it says. The writer of Hebrews is writing... Brian, do we have Hebrews up there? Hebrews chapter 10 says this. He's writing to the believers and he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Okay, he's telling them to hold on, which tells me there was something happening in which they wanted to let go. They wanted to give up. Right, do you hear the language here? He's encouraging them, don't give up. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you hear what he's saying? He goes, guys, I know it's getting tough out there, but let's not stop getting together now. Are you kidding me? We need each other more now than ever. Let the chips fall where they may. We've got to stick together in this. We've got to keep encouraging one another and remind each other that we're all in. Remind each other of the Jesus that we signed up for because it's all for him and about him. And he's the one that keeps us together. No matter what else happens, let's not stop meeting together now. And I believe it's a prophetic word even to this body and the church at large today. Look and see all the things that are going out there on in the world. we got violence in the nations. we got violence in our streets. Let us not stop meeting together as we see these things happening. We need each other even more, and I look out there in the culture, and nobody even remembers what the apostles' teaching is. Hardly, are you? With, all my friends on Facebook, they're like, "Well, that was those were good readings. Those are good for history," but nobody actually believes them anymore. So all the more, I got to be with my. My peeps in my family that we do life together that we open it up and we go, okay, this is who my God is. This is who I am in him. This is who he's created me to be. And all of a sudden I have answers for those who are seeking and searching. Those who want to belong. They just don't know where. Those who want to know who they are. But I want to tell them God wants it more than you do. And I want to be the one to say I love you. I love who you are. Let's have some more conversation. We talk about this over here on Thursday nights at my house. Can I pick you up? Because i got to be ready to be in the culture. i got to be ready. i got to have my peeps that remind me, strengthening one another to love and good deeds. we got to engage the culture. Right now, one of my favorite small groups is a group of young moms that I meet with every week. And they have kids from zero up to second grade. And they're now starting to say to me, Lori, my child came home this week with this question. This is a brand new one in the culture for me. I don't even know how to answer him because I really want him to love his friends. I mean, aren't we in this place, people? I want to be in the culture. I want to engage. I want to have relationship and, and show love. But how do I do it and still know the apostles' teaching? How do I know the words of Jesus and the truth of who my God is and who I am? And so here's my thing. To them, I'm like, all right, I'm all in. I'm going to commit myself to helping you learn how to raise your kids in this culture and we're going to tell them who they are from a very young age and we're going to remind them every day who their papa is and how great he is and how much he loves them and how we can remind them that you are an amazing man of God. You're a beautiful young woman in in the kingdom. And that's who you are and god has good plans for you and you're going to come across some friends out there And they're not always going to understand because maybe nobody ever told them that so guess what you can be the one who loves them Invite them over for cookies after school We're going to tell them who their good father is and we're going to keep loving them until they come out of that confusion And they also know who they are in the kingdom and how much their god loves them But we got to be committed All in I got to know what god's word says And people, we got to help raise this next generation to not forget the apostles teaching who we are in him and the goodness of our father who made every one of us to be his children, wanting none to be out there isolated, but all to be doing life together in his family. All right, let me give you just a couple statistics as we close. And um, one of my favorite churches is the Antioch Church, and they did a survey of uh, people who were committed to small group three to four times a month. So very consistently, okay? They go to small group, and here's what they found. Those who attend a small group three to four times a month, ha- 94% of them said they have healthy marriages. Wow. 93% spent consistent time with God and His Word. 92% felt competent to lead their families. And 96 felt equipped to handle life's challenges. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Then they did another survey of people who go to small group half that amount of time. So maybe like one to two times a week, or excuse me, a month. And they found that on the average, about 70% have healthy marriages. About 70% spent time consistently with God. And about 70% felt confident to lead their families or equipped to handle life's challenges. And the last group that they surveyed, they found this. Of those who do not attend any small group at all, Zero to 25% had healthy marriages. Zero to 25% spent time consistently with God and his word. Zero to 25% felt confident to lead their families or equipped to handle life's challenges. You guys, these stats don't lie, do they? They just reveal what is true. We need each other. We were not designed to do life alone. We were designed to do life together. There was one more survey that I thought was very interesting. I don't have it up here, but they surveyed over 200 pastors, all of which had fallen into some kind of immorality and had to step back out of the pastorate for a while. And they found two things to be common in every one of these pastors that they surveyed. Of those 200 plus, every single one of them said that they had stopped having consistent time with God and His Word. And the second one you can probably guess every single one of those 200 pastors that fell had stopped having any kind of small group connection fellowship with anyone else nobody knew what they were going through and there are some of us in this room today that you're sitting there thinking there are things in my life that nobody knows and listen this is not uh, a scary thing this is like god wants you to share your life with somebody else Because you think people are going to be shocked and amazed. In reality, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I dealt with that a couple years ago. And you're going to think nobody's ever done this. And somebody will say, oh, yeah, I've been there. You're welcome here. You're welcome. We we just want you to come because I needed somebody when I was going through that, and I'll bet you do too. So if there's something like that in your life today, people, that does not keep you from being in a small group. In fact, small groups are for those who know they need it. They know they don't have their life together, and we know that we need each other. So, in closing, we are kicking off a whole new batch of small groups this fall. And Steve and I have this goal, this real desire. Wouldn't it be great if everybody in our church was in a small group? What kind of unity could we know? What kind of ways could God begin to use us as a body? If we were united, we served each other, we served the community around us, and we invited people in every week. We could change Catholics. So, Here's what I want you to do. I would like for you to remember August 27th. We're calling it Sign Up Sunday. And we would like for all of you to sign up for a small group. That, that day we'll have all the leaders stand up, introduce themselves to you, and they'll tell you where they meet and what time. And you can go around after service, meet them all, find one that's really good for you that fits, and sign up that day. We'll do that for three weeks. And then on the 10th of September, that week, we're going to start 10 weeks of a new small group. So all of you will be in the same boat. We're going to study the same thing. Whatever Randy preaches on on Sunday, we're going to study in the small group. And we're going to do it again. We're going to say, okay, now, I heard the message. How do we walk this out doing life together? What does this mean in my everyday life? And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to see if God just won't just maybe knit us together in one heart and one mind and help us to walk in unity as we help one another walk it out. Really. Wouldn't that be cool? So would you do two things for me? Number one, would you pray about maybe this is the time for us to sign up and be in some kind of a community, small, transforming group? We call them transforming groups here, by the way, because we really believe that's where lives are transformed. Mm -hmm. And number two, if you are sitting there thinking, you know, I really would love to open up my living room so people could come in and have their lives changed there. I like having people in my house. Then I have a sign-up sheet right up here on top of this speaker, and we'd love to talk to you. And even if you just want some more information... Like, what would that entail? What would it look like? Steve and I will call you this week and we'll give you some more information if you'd like to open up your home and be a host for a home group. Or maybe you actually want to lead one. And when I say lead, I just mean facilitate the questions. Just get things going. Open up the Word. Here's the questions They came from the speaker on Sunday morning. We're just going to ask. Are you with me? So if, you're, if you want to do that, there's a sign-up sheet for that. Again, this is not committing you. We'll call you and we'll give you some more information and we can talk about it. And if you know some other people that aren't here this morning, you might want to pass on this message. Because God didn't design us to do life by ourselves. He designed us to do life together. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much that your heart is for family. You want us to be one with you and one with each other. Thank you that you don't want us to have to do this thing alone, that you know we all need each other. All of us have fallen. All of us are struggling in some way, and we need each other to support and encourage. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you pray Would you break down right now any barriers that might keep us from wanting to be known and to know others? In Jesus' name, all lies of the enemy that are, uh, I just sense that there's shame and guilt like they don't know what I do. Listen, I just pray that voice would be silenced right now in Jesus' name that you would know that you belong. You are part of this body because you say Jesus is your Lord and, and you are accepted as you are to come in and begin to be transformed with a bunch of other people in a very similar boat. So Holy Spirit, do your work right now. Just silence those voices and may you speak your words of love over us right now that you long for us all to come together and be one in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lynn, if you would come and play and, and uh, ministry team, would you come up and Mary Lou? I sense there are two groups of people uh, maybe that need some prayer. And, and number one would be, if you have been in small groups before and it didn't turn out to be such a great experience for you. Because let's be honest, we're all broken people and sometimes broken people break things and we don't do it very well. But you know what? Let's try again. But if you need some real prayer for those wounds or that's been a hard thing for you, then we ask that you would come and and receive some prayer for that. And number two, um, the second thing that you might want to come forward for prayer on would be if you do really feel that That voice of shame. He just won't be quiet. Like, you don't know what I do when I'm isolated. The Lord wants to bring everything back into the light so that you can be known. And you'll find that people love you as you are. That is truth. So if you need help knowing that and believing that today, come for prayer. And Mary Lou, is there anything else that you have? She says that will do it. All right. The rest of you are free to go, love and serve the Lord and do life together this week. In Jesus' name.